1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you as we are going to dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Got a couple fantastic guests coming up today. Uh, Really a trio of uh, fantastic guests coming up today because we do have a a dual interview coming up at the tail end of the show. COO of Titan FC Lex McMahon is going to join the show. And of course, we have our former champion, Jay-Z Cavalcante, who's going to be in the main event of Titan FC 60. So we'll talk and sit down with those guys and get into the event. Plus, we are going to talk to the former Unified Welterweight Champion of the World. Always a fantastic guest. Always a great interview. Keith One Time Thurman. And Looking forward to that interview. I've gotten to sit with Keith a couple of times before. He's always fantastic, and so looking forward to our conversation coming up with him. We'll start off with the news from this week. We got a confirmation from Dana White that uh, the May 30th event between Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns is a go, and so that's very exciting. I think this is going to be a fun fight for people to check out. Now, Woodley's been waiting for a fight for a long time. He was supposed to be fighting... Uh, Leon Edwards, who of course is stuck in London. This was supposed to be the main event of UFC London. That was the kind of the last UFC that that got canceled because they were going to go. Remember, they were going to go full go. They were going to go with fans. Uh, they were planning to uh, to go with uh, fighting in England, all all rah rah, ready to go. And that's kind of when the world shut down. So Tyron's been waiting to fight for a while, but Gilbert Burns, remember he was. In the last card that went on, like he was, he took on Damian Maya, uh, beat him by TKO, and you know, basically sat there and had a performance where he was letting people know, like, yeah, man, I'm ready to go, I'll, I'll go fight on that card if, if it wasn't willing to go. He was, you know, there was gonna be next week and he was willing to step in if it was gonna end up being domesticated and just ended up that everything was being shut down. So, look, Gilbert Werns is an absolute badass. And, you know, he's had a couple of wins now against guys in Damian Maya and Gunnar Nelson, where people are looking forward to the Gunnar Nelson matchup uh, two just submission specialists. And, you know, Gilbert is is a guy who's just been coming with a a, a great role lately of winning five straight. Uh, he's won seven out of his last eight. He's been he's been on an absolute tear with his only loss being to Dan Hooker uh, of recent. And that's also coincided with a return to welterweight, too, where he's I think think he's looked even better. So, you know, he's going to get a huge opportunity here because we're looking at a situation where if Gilbert gets the win over the former champion, you're talking about a legit contender, man. Like, this is a huge, huge opportunity for Gilbert Burns to step in there and really put himself into absolute title contention. I think especially you think about the state of where the welterweight division is right now. And yes, we all want to see Kamaru Usman take on Jorge Masvidal. But if that doesn't happen, what is the next step? You know, what do they go to? As far as the uh, the title picture is concerned, what is what is the backup plan? Is it Leon Edwards? All right, well maybe, but he hasn't fought, even though he is top five right now, and you don't really know if you can get him until Fight Island becomes an actual thing. Is it Colby Covington? I you know Colby, it doesn't seem like he's the easiest guy to negotiate with in the UFC. Um, you know, do, is there a, a potential for Gilbert to really sneak into the title picture? I guess the only issue would really be. Is that Gilbert is uh is is training partners with Kamara Usman. They train out of the same gym. So there's issues there. But I mean, look, if we're talking about uh what's going on, you know, it's so funny because you have this real contingent of well to it. You look at Camaro, Colby, Jorge, uh, and Gilbert. They all train down here, uh, with both of them being out of multiple gyms. And Tyron will, you know, dabble in here every now and then, although he does most of his training out of Missouri in his home state. But it's uh, it's an interesting predicament. Now, this is uh, what I think is a big step up for Gilbert for sure. Is that the the most decorated fighter that he's ever taken on before? Um, you know, Damien Damien May is a great fighter and he's a legend and he's fought for titles, but he's never been champion. He hasn't been a reigning champion, and so this is a this is a this is a dangerous one, man. And I, you know, you you think about well, can he get? You know, if he, where does he have the edge here? Certainly, the submission game he has the edge, uh, but can he get? Tyron in a, a situation where he's in real danger you know can he can he put him on his can he put him on his ass can he get him in those situations where he is uncomfortable can he pull something off early when you know they're not slippery or something like that I don't know I mean it's I think it's a big ask I think it's a big ask for Gilbert but you know the funny thing is is we've been you know I feel like the the way it's gone in, in these uh in these fights that we've come back to we you maybe you've had a thought of how one thing was going to go to Tony Ferguson being more decorated Justin Gagey maybe taking that big step up and Gagey took that big step up um, i think i think we've been imp- impressed by a lot of these individuals going in there and and really having themselves a great great performance so now we're in this spot where you had uh you you have another guy uh in in Gilbert Burns where he can do that i mean he can really make something of himself here And set himself up as a perennial contender. What that does. I mean is he going to leapfrog Jorge Masvidal. Probably not. But you know this Masvidal Usman thing. I mean we've talked since February. About these guys being in uh, contention. And and should be set up. And Dana White was on the Jim Rome show. Saying that it's going to happen. And then he even went on to say if Masvidal wins. He would do his title defense in Miami. Uh, I think that seems like a moot point at this point. Because now nobody can go. But point being is Usman and Masvidal since having that radio row kerfuffle that little that little stare down with all of the world's media surrounding it I we haven't really had any movement on it we had a we had some thought that maybe Conor McGregor and Masvidal was in the works didn't seem like that was really the case so I don't know it's a weird spot right now for sure when it comes to the welterweight division, uh, not really having a clear title picture. Colby was out doing some media this week. He's calling out Mosquito, so he, maybe he's trying to angle to get that fight in. I don't know. But what I do know is Tyron wins this fight. He's certainly back in the title picture. Um, he was a reigning champ. Uh, his fight against Kamara Usman, he did get dominated. But, um, you know, he's he's got an argument to be one of the – he's he's not the best. I mean, that's George St. Pierre, but he's one of the best welterweight champions of all time and i think you could certainly talk into doing him versus usman again if he has a great performance especially if it's a dominant knockout and then gilbert if he wins certainly uh puts himself if not right at title contention certainly is now a fight away from fighting for the belt uh it just probably would be a lot less awkward if it wasn't with uh with a teammate so that's a that's the interesting spot we find ourselves in Um, As far as the rest, the other big story of the week, and we'll get into this, is uh, John Jones, John Bones Jones, he did some live negotiations, live tweet negotiations with the UFC for his fight with Francis Ngannou. We talked about this last week about John's uh, desire to fight Francis Ngannou, take that big step up. That This was almost like uh, the consolation prize of not fighting Brock Lesnar. You're fighting the big cartoon character, big knockouts, UFC Drago. And, you know, this is the thing that it's, uh, that that's interesting. You know, he, uh, it, it's we're, we're we're following this along, and he's saying that he uh, he did they didn't offer him any more guaranteed money. That that they, they only said you can make more money with the pay per view. And you heard from Dana White last week in his post fight press conference where he says, "I don't know if those guys really want that fight." You know, to basically say, you guys have contracts? All right, let's see if they really want to put it together. And I do think, you know, I get how the UFC does business. They're not like boxing. They're not going to throw these huge guarantees at everybody, especially in a situation with not being able to have a gate, not being able to draw $15 million, uh, for a fight like that in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. I get it. But, um these, uh, this is this is, I think, one of the uh, the the, the few super fights they really have. Obviously, any Conor McGregor you find is a super fight. Um, you know, Mosfidal versus McGregor, I think, is 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 probably up there right now, and uh, and Ganu versus Jones is certainly up there right now. And and to think that they're not going to do any bump is uh, is pretty nuts. Now, he did a uh, did an interview with John Morgan, a longtime MMA journalist, and he says, quote, Honestly, I'm just at the spot where I'm shocked. I feel like the UFC uh, has told me and my management team for now that if I ever wanted to reach a certain level in the sport and get a certain level of pay, I have to take really big fights and I have to step out of my comfort zone and be willing to take these mega fights. The UFC clearly told me that they would redo my contract the day I went to heavyweight and that it would be a different deal. So I always held that in my back pocket. and My goal is to fight at light heavyweight for a long time until I got to a place where I have nothing else to prove and then retire as a heavyweight some really big fights. Risk putting it all on the line. Thursday, I found that that's simply not happening. It's upsetting uh, because I found out that they put a little bit of a limit on my ceiling. And I would say, like, look, John Jones moving to heavyweight—it has been a thing that fans have been wanting for a long, long time. We've been waiting for these super fights to happen: John versus Stipe. John versus Lesnar, John versus DC at heavyweight, John versus Francis Ngannou. We've been waiting for these matchups. Uh, John versus Cain Velasquez. We've been waiting for all of these big-time matchups for Jon Jones. He's willing to do it, and he's willing to do it against the guy who is the scariest thing going in the sport. Um, I'm on Jon's side here, man. I got I got to be honest with you. Now, is the UFC looking at this from a standpoint of, do we want to throw down uh, money on Jon Jones? You can't guarantee he's he's the most uncertain thing in the sport. Certainly, do they think that they have a dirty fighter, and he's going to be making uh, a move up to heavyweight, and this is right for USADA catching him? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the the backstory is of not wanting and willing to be doing the fight, but I certainly believe that John Jones moving up to heavyweight and fighting Francis Ngannou is worth more money to him. It's not the same as fighting Dominic Reyes, and it's not the same as fighting uh Tiago Santos or anybody like Glover Teixeira again. He is put a, a wasteland. And yes, he's looked more vulnerable, but we have also seen John. Uh, you can't say this about many guys, but he's so good that you can. And we've seen the uh, the proof in the pudding when it's come to the octagon is he is a guy that does seem like he needs the right motivation to get himself to fight at peak performance. If it's against an OSP, if it's against a uh, party, a of sim partying his ass off, the performances just aren't there. They're not as good. And so I want to see the best to ever do it in the octagon. Do it with all the motivation in the world with a new challenge uh with that knock you dead puncher uh punch that we never got at light heavyweight because Anthony Rumble Johnson um you know never got to that level with John that just never crossed paths now you get it at heavyweight um I think it's a bonafide super fight seems like it'll do fantastic you know the last heavyweight super fight they tried to do was DC Steep. I don't think it did the numbers they thought it would do this one to me would this this has Every Francis who you could throw the overeem knockout a ton of places. You could throw the D, you could throw the John head kick on DC. All of his highlights, the submission wins, the beating of Alexander Gustafson, all these things. And and I think that John can play the perfect bad guy to France's uh, good guy of being the storybook guy who went from being a homeless guy living uh, living in France to heavyweight champion of the world. So it's got all the elements to it. I don't I don't understand why this would be something that. He shouldn't get more money for, for sure. So let's get to our guests. They were fantastic this week. We have Keith one-time Thurman, and uh, he's going to be joining us coming up here. We'll catch up with the former Unified Welterweight Champion of the World and talk about his fight with Manny Pacquiao. I had such a fun time going to Vegas and watching that fight and get a little thoughts on where he goes from here. That's coming up next on Fighters Fury. Back after this. We roll on with Fighters Fury here. Very excited to talk to our next guest. He is the former unified welterweight champion of the world. Always a fantastic guest, Keith One Time Thurman. As we've uh, we've gotten to talk to him, we found him in studio before. We got to talk to him at Radio Row before, but caught up with Keith this week. Uh, talked a little bit about the Manny Pacquiao experience, what his plans are as far as his next step of his career, and enjoyed the conversation. Here we go, Keith One Time Thurman. Thank you, uh, thank you for joining us, Keith. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, last time, uh, last time we got to speak was, uh, radio row, uh, was, uh, before the Pacquiao fight. You did a hell of a job, first of all, promoting that fight. It was one of the most fun events I went to, um, that whole experience, man, the idea of, of taking on Manny, uh, taking on a legend, you, you, you know, you, you had a, a whole thing planned out going into it. And then like first round, boom, you're down and you have to fight and claw your way back. And you put such a great performance forward in that match. What is that? What, what I mean, you know, reflecting on it, what is that like that you put in training camp and and rounds, and all of a sudden you're you're swimming you're swimming upstream, kind of right as the fight starts. That that had to be, uh, I mean, a, a, a different perspective from your career uh, having to come back like that.
1: Uh yes and no. You know, um, I've had many experiences like that throughout the amateurs, right, where like the fight doesn't start off the way um, that I wanted it to. Um, you know, but. With the Pacquiao one, it was just uh, quite interesting because, you know, I thought I was just about to walk away with the first round in the bag, right? Yep. I mean, I felt like I was dominating um, the whole majority of that round. And he just finally got on that uh, on that jump, leap, boom, caught me moving straight backwards, down I go. And here comes a swing of a 10-8 round. And then, you know, it's like, ah, it, it was it was one of the worst situations to be in Um, because I, I believe I overthought it. Right. Um, well, maybe, maybe I didn't really overthink it at the end of the day. I felt like it's a 8 round, but it happened in round one. Right. Mm. So we know that I didn't feel the pressure that I needed a knockout. Right. I didn't, I didn't feel the pressure. I felt like, um, we saw the fight with Tibley Bradley where he got dropped three times and still won the fight, you know? Um, so The points, there's so much of the fight left. I felt like I can make up uh, what happened in the first round with the rest of the fight. The only thing was as the fight developed and we get later into the fight, I start seeing that, you know, I am making a comeback. You know, maybe we're going to get a draw. Uh, You know, I don't really know if we're going to win, but I don't know if we're going to lose. And there's a part of me that wanted to push and, and go for a little bit more of the knockout, but I believe pretty much thinking too much on the point system and knowing how many times I've won on, you know, 12 round decisions in the past, it was just really hard for me to go into that KO zone. And another thing too, is you have to take risks. If you want to really knock somebody out, you're opening yourself up to possibly taking a few more chances. And I felt like with his speed, if I'm, if I, wing a big punch right in front of him he might pop me with a good one and down I'll go again I was never worried about being knocked out in the fight but if I was not if I was to be dropped one more time in the fight I felt like well then knockout is the only option and I really wasn't trying to do that when I felt like it was a it was a close fight you know Um, it just was what it was and I didn't get the decision that i was looking for which i would have been satisfied with the draw on that night um with the way the fight was developing
2: well look man you 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 uh you you bit off a lot coming back because you you know you were coming off the injury and the, and the lopez fight and so you mm-hmm. kind of went you, you jumped right in there against an absolute legend and uh, i i mean a, a, an amazing event uh, a building that was jumping I'm sure that's a tough one to even go up against the scorecards anyway, because I remember how loud that building was when he did put <laughs> you down. Man, I, I honestly, I, t- you know, I tell my partner who I do uh, my show with regularly, he's like, I never heard a building like that before. That was that was that was a crazy thing. So you showed a lot in that. Like, there's 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 no doubt about that. Um, taking on a guy like that, because you've said that you are interested in getting that rematch what is what, what is that 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 thing that he's got to, to, to put guys down is it is it power is it footwork is it catching you at a weird angle what did you think that it's it the was speed
1: it's the it's the speed with the power you know um, you gotta have power to uh, put somebody down but the number one attribute that he has I believe is the speed you know because even even when he's just moving his head He's so small. We all know We all know what it's like to watch lightweights in the ring versus watching heavyweights in the ring. So Pacquiao being such a skilled lightweight um, who was able to compete in the welterweight division uh, makes him an anomaly, man. It makes him one of a kind, you know? And he's already so much shorter than everybody. So once when he actually does a ducking angle, it's like, Where am I hitting? What's what's down there? Where am I swinging? You know, um, he can put himself in a lot of different awkward positions and angles. And then he can also throw from different angles. There's one thing I did notice in the Pacquiao fight um, that I don't know if a lot of fighters talk about that much. But he has a technique that we we kind of call it the two for one in boxing. And it's as if you're trying to hit somebody with, um, let me see if I can put the phone down real quick. It's like you're trying to hit somebody with two punches at the same time, mm-hmm. but you're not, but you know, that's not a real boxing technique. So you'll never hit somebody with two punches at the same time, but you'll put them so close rhythmatically right behind each other. You got to, it's, it's the secret if you, and only fast fighters can do this, not people who don't have hand speed, don't even try to do what I'm about to talk about. But what you want to do is you want to hit the bag and almost hear one sound. You want to try to put the one, the, the, the right hand right after the left or the left hand right after the right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're right handing left hook, if you're going from the body in the head, but you need to rhythmatically do them so fast that it's that faster than that. See, that's, that's one action. You have to have both sides of it, and you got to bring it together so quick. Pacquiao does that with the, uh, with the hook and the uppercut because he likes to put you here. He likes to make you commit here and then sneak, sneak one in there. And he did that several times in the fight, and, you know, I caught on to the, um, to the patterns and different things. But you know, great techniques are great techniques. Even if you know what the fighter's about to do, um, in the moment of dealing with it, it can still be a challenge.
2: What are you, What are you? Uh, how are you health wise? How How is how are things coming along uh, as far as I thought? I heard something like, uh, you know, you just don't want to be in pain anymore when you when you train. Uh, pretty recently, like, are you? Has this time this this pandemic have you gotten any silver lining out of it that you've allowed yourself to 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 get healthy and feel a lot better? Um. Or are you still dealing with some stuff as as you kind of map out what you want to do next?
1: Um, definitely. The hand surgery has been feeling really great. Um, this time has allowed me to focus and um, really allow that to fully rest. Um, the wrist action feels great. Um, so I'm really looking forward in hitting the heavy bag. That's just something that I haven't been able to um, do Um, get back into solid contact with the left hand because right as I was about to start with the light contact, that's when Corona hit and we, uh, we shut down the gym this next week. I'm actually going to start coming back in the gym because they opened up, um, fitness centers, but there's certain rules and regulations and our gym is very small, um, in comparison to a fitness center. So we really don't want to let, um, the amateurs back in, um, quite yet, but when it comes to me moving around. Uh, Now that they've opened up gyms, I believe I can step in the gym as a one-man show, uh, wipe the gym down, and um, I I think it'll be okay. So hopefully um, when I start taking this through the stages, you know, I'm not worried about the first stage. I'm not worried about the second stage. I'm worried about um, getting back to the heavy hitting. Uh, Is my left hook going to be as strong as it was? Um, Can I really go 100%? Am I not going to feel a kickback? you know um and as long as that's that you know then so be it you know if um like fighters like floyd mayweather he had a lot of hand issues yeah and it's one of the reasons why he didn't um get knockouts anymore throughout his career you know and he focused on finessing a lot of his victories you know so am i gonna have to work the jab um and and place and soften up my hook and do the heavy hitting with my right hand you know um is there, is there going to be a change in my style due to my health, you know? Um, but as long as I'm living and breathing and capable, um, you know, functional to be in a sanctioned fight, I'm going to be here, um, challenging everybody 100% um, what a, to the best capable of my abilities.
2: What, um, what are the, I guess the talks in, in the sport right now, as far as big time guys like you, you're, you're a main event fighter. You're, uh, you, you know, you're a foreign champion that people like to tune into. You're obviously a guy that can pack a building, uh, but we're not in a point where buildings can be packed right now. Um, not to just you know dive too detailed into your financials, but how does that affect a fighter like you, a guy who is on the marquee, who people who pay to go see? Um, are you are you in talks to do something that's just on television because you'll get a lot of eyeballs that way? Um, or are you going to try and put off maybe one fight as long as possible until maybe like the NFL is maybe talking about doing uh, sparse fans throughout a, a building, something like that. Are you waiting for that to be the opportunity so people can actually be in the building to see you?
1: Um, you know, we've yet to really bring it back. Um, so a lot of the capabilities are still up in the air. Uh, We don't know exactly when fans are going to be in arenas again soon. But as long as they start just, you know, mainstream sports here in America, like um, baseball, maybe basketball, hockey, um, football, soccer. I feel like if they might not all get back to um, right away on, on TV, like at the same exact time. But if we start seeing a trickle in, I think baseball is one of the first ones that can really do it in my opinion, you know? um, I barely like being in the stands watching a game anyways, but, you know, uh, people people will tune in and it's a game. It can be live. Um, It can be recorded, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's really going to happen with sports. I'm open. I'm open to performing to um, the people, you know, via TV, without the arena um, with the people in the arena, of course, it will feel different, especially for me coming off of the Pacquiao performance. Yeah. When, uh, like you said, it was one of the most uh, amazing electric and just so much live energy in and you could feel that, you know, but at the end of the day, um, fighters, we train so much in the gym. We do so much in the ring. We've done so much that people didn't get to see, didn't get to witness. Um But the moment you put a man and another man in the ring and you say box, I mean, they're boxing, you know, and somebody like me, I can't speak for all fighters, but somebody like me, I will still put forward my best foot even without anybody else witnessing because I want to perform and I like to make a statement to the person I'm fighting more than to the fans in attendance.
2: Uh, what do you think of uh, some of the, uh, the old-time heavyweights uh, back training? Uh, Mike Tyson has been going viral with some videos. I see Holyfield is in the gym with Vladimir Klitschko. Tarver's holding mitts for him. It almost looks like a like boxing fantasy camp. But I do dig it. I like seeing these guys in shape. I like seeing them do the thing. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of all this stuff? It seems fun.
1: Uh, it's definitely fun, man. I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's 100% Uh, very inspirational. I believe it's one of the most inspirational things right now during this uh, COVID time that's hit the uh, internet, man, because it's, uh, there's so many things that has happened. Um, There was um, a Jordan documentary hit, you know, and I just think that there's an opportunity for like the, the young people who didn't really get to see Mike Tyson, but know um, a little bit about Mike Tyson, you know I mean? Because what Mike Tyson came out with that cartoon and stuff, you know? So, you know, Mike Ty- Mike Tyson touches so many different age demographics, is what I'm pretty much trying to say. You know, and and it's so inspiring to see what he's doing. Uh, he was one of my first favorite fighters of all times. Um, it was always my dream to try to have more knockouts than Mike Tyson. It's one of the reasons why I started my professional career with um, eight consecutive first round KOs and TKOs. Is just how much I admire Tyson and and the whole um, um, KO philosophy you know just going for the kill so you know just seeing him work man seeing what he can do even at the age that he's at you know um if they're going to do a charity event i think they would get a lot of positive feedback for that um so let's just see what really unfolds and and what happens you know but just just living a good healthy lifestyle and um just being an influencer in today's market i think they all can do um pretty well just from that
2: where do you see where do you see yourself right now, man? With uh, you're you're in this new position of of having to chase. You're, you're not being the chased anymore. Um, so you got guys like Errol Spence and Terence Crawford who are now uh, dubbed the, the guys on top. So what is what is your outlook? How do you look about going after these guys and, and getting back to the top? Uh, does it involve going after Pacquiao first? What is the game plan if if it was all ideal for you?
1: Um, you know, it's just one of those situations, right? Where no matter what once when you lose, you, they have to knock you down in the rankings, you know? Um, and once when you're not, you know, once when you're not number one, who are you really, you know, um, you know, being one of the top guys is very important in every sport, you know? So I'm grateful that I know that I'm one of the top. I know that I'm acknowledged as one of the top in the Walter Wade division. And it's really hard to deny. So, Really, all I have to do is keep doing what I've always done um, and just represent myself to the best of my ability. So like you said, you know my history. You know that I've come off of these hard times. But let Keith Thurman get back to a a position of strength and power and health and see what develops of Keith Thurman. So the Jose Cito Lopez was a tune-up fight. But was it really enough, you know? Um, In retrospect, it was just really hard to not say no to the Pacquiao fight, you know? Uh,
2: How could you? Um, (laughs)
1: If I say no to the Pacquiao fight on that day, do I ever get the Pacquiao fight in the future? You know, so um, this happens in fighters in their careers. And I believe the greatest of all champions are able to, you know, um, rise up again. If you're really... The, the cream of the crop. It's something that um, Floyd never had to do, right? Floyd got to stay number one forever. But we've seen, um, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard get beat and then come back. And um, other fighters, man, throughout history, you just get beat and they come back. Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tyson, just everybody wants to make a comeback, you know? And if you are, if you have greatness in you, that greatness can come back. You know, because it's really hard to take greatness away. Like you said, it was a slip up. It was just a bad day. In football, they call it any given Sunday. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sure. That was a major fight in my career. It was a, a, a very big point in my career. But luckily for me, I'm not the age of Manny Pacquiao. I do have youth on my side.
2: Well, we're looking forward to it, man. Uh but good health to you, your family. Uh, through all this stuff, and whenever you get back in the ring, uh, we know it's going to be a great show. It always is, and we always appreciate you giving us time and being generous with it, man. Thank you.
1: All good. Take care. One love.
2: All right. Welcome back to Fighters Fury, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to a little friend of the program here. We got you know, look, I want you guys to always support uh, local mixed martial arts, and these guys are on a national stage because they'll be on UFC Fight Pass, but usually our hub down here in South Florida, they do a great job. If you want to see some of the young stars uh, tomorrow – uh titan fc is where you want to watch it out guys this is uh they put on a great show and they are making their return on friday may 29th you can watch it on ufc fight pass we'll talk to the coo lex mcmahon and his former lightweight champion jay-z cavalcante who's going to be in the main event of titan fc 60 here's our sit down with the boys uh the head of titan fc lex mcmahon is joining us with jay-z cavalcante they are going to be uh here talking to us a little bit about titan fc you boys are back are you excited lex this is uh gotta be a relief after all Dude. this waiting finally uh you get to get back to action man! Are you excited,
0: sweet baby jesus we're ah. back baby so uh
2: so you got Jay- jay-z you're going to be doing a, your main event into this event with a uh with some combat grappling now I, I have seen combat grappling in person this is no bueno to me you, you guys are doing the slapping it looks it looks absolutely ah. brutal like right? it is i'm mean, telling you man i was like Oh, it was like because sometimes a slap it seems more disrespectful than a punch. I'm just like um
3: stocked uh, slap, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, so uh With what ha- slap,
2: It's yeah. even worse. So,
3: so how is Lex today.
2: Uh so yeah, man, how has practicing been going for this? And then Lex to your side, like what got went into wanting to do combat grappling to, to headline this thing.
3: First, I, I'm happy to be back at Titan, you know, especially being the main event against I've been mean, I fought for the title for the title as well as the champion. So it's very nice for me to be back. Not just a Titan being back, but me being back a Titan as well. And being able to entertain the people during this crazy time. You know, the quarantine, I know a lot of people going crazy. Uh, not much to do. So finally we get some fights going on so we can entertain people as well. And regardless the combat grappling, that's a... Back in the days when I started MMA, that wasn't MMA, it was not MMA, was by the vale tudo, was an NHB, That's how we used to train. So I'm very familiar with these labs. You know, I have a funny story. My first day, I was like 13, 14 years old. I skipped school, the last like two classes, because I want to train. I walked to the gym, I went there, it was a Corval. It was the coach. And Babalu, Renato Babalu Sobral, he was that trainer as well. So he used to train in the same spot that my first train. And the guy asked me, oh, so you have, I I, I was a little young, cocky, you know, I said, yeah, I want to be a fighter, I want to do value. And they said, oh, yeah, so do you practice any martial arts? I said, yeah, judo. You look at me, and what else? I said, strike, some kickboxing, Hi right, come on, let's go. So we train, warm up. The first day, they find somebody who was a little bit of my height, and they put me to spar. MMA, full out. No, nothing. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. <laughs> oh, you're a fighter, So let's go. <laughs> Let me prove you you'll be a fighter. That's old school style, you know? Have Just the mouthpiece. We didn't have gloves. It was just like a hand wraps, you know? So it was crazy, like the first day. And I remember Babalu, after the training, he looked at the coach. Hey, Corval, tough little guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the
0: so you did all right. I, I was I was expecting him to say that Babalu was his first training partner. <laughs> <No>. You know,
3: <laughs> but that's a uh, but because of the back in the days fighter tool there was no clubs, right? So bad hands, so everything. So we don't usually train with the punches because you can break your hand. So back in the days, we used to training just like with his laps. To get comfortable, especially mm-hmm. the guys with the has a grappling background. You know, I remember the first time I went to Carlson Gracie was similar. People training like the, the striker used use the big glove, and the uh, jujitsu guys no gloves at all, just trying to take them down. So I'm very used to these. You know, bring me good memories from my beginning.
2: Wow. All right. So so Alex went into went into wanted to put some combat grappling into this one other than, you know, well, it's, it's got to be great yeah. to have Jay-Z back in the building and one of your former champs.
0: Well, no, it's awesome. And, you know, Jay-Z and I are, are very close friends, uh, have been for many years. We actually share the same birthday. Um, but he also is my my coach, and, uh, you know, so he, I see him all the time. And So we've been kind of looking for ways to get him back into Titan, and that would make sense for him and, and you know – the opportunity to get a champion back in is great from a marketing perspective, you know, for, for me, I mean, it's not just that he was a Titan champion. Jay-Z was, you know, uh, and is a legend from back in the Japan days. So, you know, to have an opportunity to, to headline a card with Jay-Z, especially coming out of the pandemic where, I mean, we're still in the midst of it, you know, to be honest, but, um, we had to be creative in, in how we put our cards together. So I was putting together a card, that's going to be like a contender series card because we, we can't do an event where we have fans. So we've, we've changed our for, format a little bit to be like what Dana is doing with the contender si- uh, series. But I wanted a, a special main event, especially for this first event coming back. So I talked to Jay-Z, and actually he had the idea for an opponent. And he said, listen, I'm all for the comeback grappling. It's great. But why don't you, you get Haushman Fio, who's a, another former Titan champion? So we came up, you know, champion versus champion, and I actually, I just told both Jay-Z and House yesterday that we're, I created the uh, Titan FC Combat Grappling World Championships. Now it's two champions fighting for a championship, Sick. so it should be fun. Uh, it was really well received the last time we did combat grappling with T-Bow versus uh, uh, Gilbert Burns, and the UFC's actually been after me to, to continue to do more of it. So just the timing worked out well uh, that we could bring Jay-Z back in and House and and do championship and have it be the main event.
2: Have you, uh, have you any contact with Dana white? Cause obviously he's just had a, uh, a pretty busy, you know, I mean, he's really had a crazy couple months where he's been, you know, chasing to try and get his fights back in action. He just did three in Jacksonville. So doing it in, in state, uh, with the commissions and all that type of stuff, like getting, getting kind of, uh, all the details situated on how to put a, a card in, in these times, uh, Anything that's been eye-opening to you or, 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 or has been very interesting that you didn't think of was, that was going to pop up with right. having to get kind of back up and running?
0: First part of the question is, by you know, kind of talk with Dana about it. Um, prior to the UFC 249, which is the first of the three cards here uh, in, in Florida you know, during that eight-day eight span, I, I shot Dana a text and just was like, you know, man, congratulations. I'm wishing you the best of luck um thank you for leading the way and you know he he responded bro it's been a lift but you know what this is what we do and uh it's true man like you know i've enjoyed a great relationship with dan over the years so i always try to support him and just let him know i appreciate him as opposed to always asking for stuff you know i think a lot of people hit him up and they're just trying to shake him down for stuff constantly um and i think the reason i have a great relationship with him is the only time i ever ask him for anything is when it's really important you know the rest like i don't shake him down for tickets i you know, I don't do any of that, and I, you know, he, he takes tremendous care of me. But it's because that you know we have built this great relationship over the past uh, twelve years or so. Uh, but I didn't bother him with the the details of how to you know put the event on. I, I spoke with the the you know the appropriate people team, as well as um, Patrick Cunningham, Florida State Boxing Commissioner, as well as. Um, Office, uh, the office of Governor Scott, the officer uh, or not Governor Scott, Governor DeSantis and, and uh, Senator Scott and Senator uh, Rubio and, and spoke with their teams about making sure we had the best practices put in place for a safety plan so that we could, you know, really uh, make sure the athletes were safe, put on a good event. I think the one thing that came across that was surprising to me was there's still the social distancing. We're locking two guys in a cage, and there's yeah. no social distancing there, you know. But I think more than anything, it's they're doing a very safe event. Everybody else is social distancing within the event. Um, but it's really, I think, a lot of it is is the optics. It's important to show that sports can come back safely, right? And and so you know, yes, the the contestants are um, going to engage in, in in you know their fight. But everybody else is still doing what they need to do—the masks, the you know, the social distancing. But everybody had been tested, so it wasn't really even as much a safety concern. It was to show people that it was safe. You know, from my perspective,
2: Jay Z. From your standpoint, uh, are, are there any nerves competing in, a, in time of this? Because you know, some of the fighters I talked to when this first was all going down, all the uncertainty—it was you know, a lot of not sure that they want to get in. But uh, I feel like as the weeks have gone on, and the guys I've talked to it's gone to eagerness and really wanted to get back in there. So what's your mindset as, you know, as, as the competition comes in, just, just excited to get in there. Or are there any apparitions of like, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, we are still in the midst of uh, the COVID stuff and all that type of stuff. Like, where's your mind at with it?
3: First of all, I, I was home, but I was on a train, you know? So I was doing my training by myself me and my wife. Uh, I understand the idea to be a social distance, not just for me, not, not for the for the young people, for the athletes, for the healthy people, but more in concern of the olders, you know, and the people who have an immune system problem. That was my, my main thing that was lockdown. But besides that, my idea is like, a, this is my health, you know, that's how I keep my health, training, keeping good diet, and training for a fight even better because I have to take care of everything else. So... I believe they mo- you, you strengthen your, your immune system. So, I was keeping myself active from home. I still doing training with my students online, but I want to go back and start training. One lecture the 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 competition, the card they say, "Yeah, why not?" I haven't been training MMA, but I've been training for grappling. I was supposed to fight at uh, the Fight train uh in the grappling right before the pandemic started. So, me, Cyborg, Wagner, Rocha, we all had fights uh, scheduled for grappling. And then fight win came back, another event came back, and then, okay, let's put a small group to train. And then we got back together, and that was a perfect timing, you know, back in training. The quality of the group that we have training, it's amazing. So if I have those guys who, to prepare for a fight, I can fight anywhere against anybody.
2: Uh, let me ask you as both uh, with the with the action that we just had, have you guys did you guys uh, see the the recent main events with uh, Ferguson Gaethje and Smith versus um, Glover? did you guys see those fights? and and I guess uh, there's been a lot of debate between, you know, uh, fans, pundits, all that type of stuff about corner stoppages, uh, mixed martial arts as far as do they do enough to to get in there when they should? or is there any right way to do this because when it's a fight and you're seeing guys get beat up, um if it gets a little bit too miserable you're always going to look for solutions but it kind of is what it is that is the sport like what what have you guys made of uh those two fights seeing the way uh tony went out and the way that they uh the uh the rumble uh not rumble the uh, anthony smith and the uh glover to fight went down
3: and uh it's fun because i was going back on instagram anthony on the king tattoo ultra it was uh it was a grappling tournament i don't know we went back and forth in a great match it was like a Was very nice. Even that he was like a way heavier than than me, but we put a good fight back and forth, like good escapes. Was exciting, just like for the mental to keep you going to put in the fight. So Anthony Smith has the nickname of a lion heart, and he really proved that. No, he he didn't have to prove anything. He didn't need the coaches to let him go that way. But he also has the option not to fight, like to not come back and say okay. Uh, I think I'm over, you know. But it's a very, very hard for a fighter who has a fighting spirit to do that. Actually, like a, when you there, it's just like a, your warrior your mentality. You wanna go, you wanna push to the end, you know. I respect that a lot, uh, for sure. If the corner goes there, you stop the fight. The the doctor stop the fight. It is what it is. But the fighter, the fighter mentality has to be like I wanna fight that's my point of you no know, otherwise it's hard for you to make it you gotta be smart but you gotta be smart with the people that are gonna guide you to push or not to push you know the corners sometimes they they let it go yeah yeah I, I, I used to tell, tell my corners if you throw the towel be ready to fight when I step out of the ring <laughs> I say like let me let me like let me fight. Because I see, in got the, the guy getting fed up and still be able to finish, you know? Uh, so that was my mentality. But now, with the evolution of the sport, you know, the money involved with the family, I'm more mature now. I understand the point also of somebody coming, interfering for the safety of the athlete, for the long career, you know? But that's no... I don't agree with like, people talking bad about the corner. Or the fighter, the fighter has to fight. That's his mentality. That's the way it should be. That's why I respect a lot uh, Tony and uh, Anthony. And the corners, I respect the same way because the fighter has the option not to come back if, he, if they want.
2: Uh, so we got Titan FC 60 coming up May 29th. UFC Fight Pass. You guys can watch it there. Where are you guys doing it? Where's uh, Where's are you? Are you revealing where the uh, the host place? We're going
0: like Dana style, man. I'm not saying it's a, a word until. Literally until the last moment and probably not even until we're actually fighting to be honest. Not a bad idea. Um, You know, just there's too many things that could variables that I can't control. Um, We've been working with state and local uh, government to make sure that everything's running smoothly as well as the commission. And and I honestly just want to, get to fight and get this first one under our belt and then once we i'll tell you it's in the state of florida we're not on fight island we're not you know like on a cruise ship somewhere but you know it is in the state of florida uh and it is in south florida i'll leave it at that for the moment
2: my theory of fight island was like dana white was just scrambling so much that he just came out with fight island it sounded cool and everybody buzzed with it he's like well now i gotta do it
0: because yeah, I don't,
2: I don't even think I he wants.
0: Come up with something, man. I don't
2: even think he wants to have an island, but he's just like, well, listen, people are into fight island, so now I got to get an
0: island. Well, no, I mean, now, now they're thinking like, you know, cool Bruce Lee movie, you know, like, <laughs> like, like let's have some fun with this, because at the end of the day, like people needed something to talk about, and and he's still dealing with real logistics issues. Sure, you know I mean, like, you know, Dana's, you know, issues are certainly more pronounced than most people's because of the size of the organization is uh, running but I think you know, fight island, to be honest, probably is real. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Says mid June, so here in about a month, we'll know whether or not it's it's real or not. Uh,
2: Guys, good luck with the event next week. We're looking forward to it. Uh, All the best. Uh, Safe, continue training, Jay Z, Lex. I hope you guys have a successful event and can get rolling for the rest of the year with uh, with no issues. Because I know it's I'm sure it's been uh, as it has been for a lot of people a big uh, big headache, a big uh, you know big challenge for all of us. But it's good to see us getting back to some normalcy. But uh, we love it, guys. All right, we'll be watching next week.
0: All right, brother. Thank you so
2: much, man. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate Keith One Time Thurman for joining the show. Thanks to Lex McMahon and Jay-Z Cavalcante for joining the show. They were great. They were fantastic. We'll be back same time, same place next week, everybody. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast, download the radio.com app. You guys can subscribe there or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, really wherever podcasts are available. And, of course, look us up on youtube check out tobin fighters fury and you guys can watch the interviews as well they'll also be up on our website the again everybody continue to stay safe out there uh thank you for sticking with the show we will uh, look like looks like we got a lot of action to react to next week with uh ufc potentially having a card and of course with titan fc having a card so everybody continue to have a safe fun memorial day weekend and we'll talk to you on tuesday we'll be back with tobin and leroy 6 a.m right here on 790
0: the ticket